and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Tyler Rivera. Marler, Cake Week, not Cupcake Week, Cake Week is in the books. I wish uh, I was committed to anything as you are to making the Cake Week a thing. It's a thing. It's definitely yeah. a thing. It is uh, taking over the world. I actually did not see a ton of Cake Week, to be 100% honest with you, because full disclosure here, uh, I was actually at a wedding watching my best friend get married in Chicago. I'm still in Chicago actually recording this, and I you know, caught games throughout the day. We're at different you know bars and stuff like that, doing pre-wedding festivities, all of that, and following along on my phone and caught up right. again this, this morning. But yeah, I, I didn't get to see a ton of Cupcake Week, but or rather Cake Week, but we are still going to talk about all things Cake Week because there was some really good big picture stuff that kind of unfolded, some playoff stuff that say, happened. Say what happened, Connor. So Chaos happened. Chaos happened in the form of Oregon losing, which Marler <laughs> is just cackling about over here. I, dude, I tell you what, I've never been happier to be wrong about something. I, and I just, you know, you, you go on the road to Arizona State, a 5-5 five and five team led by Herm Edwards and... Who's the guy that got fired from Cincinnati finally? Well, Luke Fickle was at Cincinnati. No, no, Richie's. the Bengals. Marvin Lewis. Oh, Marvin gotcha. Lewis is on that. On You're that just head interchanging NFL and college. That doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's what I do. Multitasking. But they, they, you, you just you go on the road. You talk about this Pac-12 strength of schedule all year and how they played Auburn closely and blah 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 blah. And you can't get by five and five Arizona State. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. That just shows you how much uh, interest there was in the SEC slate yesterday that we are talking about Pac-12 stuff before anything related to the SEC. Oh, I don't think that's what it was at all. But yes, that's not that wasn't my takeaway. That was okay. not my my takeaway was all this time we spent wasting talking about strength of schedule and how Oregon and, and yep. blah blah blah. Yep, we wasted a whole bunch of time on that. Well, we're gonna waste more time on it later because we do have some playoff talk that we're gonna get to, kind of predicting what we think the field is gonna look like. Some some playoff discussion that we're gonna get to as well. Five things I liked from all the Ooh. things that I was able to gather from, from games over the weekend. Not all of which were directly related to the games itself, but just some stuff that, that came out um, yeah. via a couple of our very good friends, Coach O and uh, Mr. Mark Stoops. Also, <laughs> oh, Coach O who just doesn't give a blank. Coach man. O is on one right now. I yeah, love it. he is. Um, we have uh, some, some early Iron Bowl thoughts that we're going to get to that Marler's probably really, really excited about. We're going to guess some rivalry week lines. I know some of those came out. I've been trying to stay away from them. Anytime I've seen an SDS story saying rivalry week lines uh, are already opening up and you like texted, uh, I think you texted a, a pic of, of all of them to, to us and I was like, nope, not going to look at these. Not going to look at these. I want to just oh, be able to know. I was texting. Yeah, I did. That's good. I'm glad you did that. But I was texting the pic because of that Auburn line coming down all the way to two and a half. Well, yeah, I did see that. That's a two okay, and a half. Yeah. I did see that. But we'll guess, and like we do, you know, we've done this before where we'll just guess the final line of what we think is yeah. going to shake out for a game like yeah. that. So we're going to guess some lines, of course. And um, yeah, let's, so let's, but before we do, and we're going to, of course, talk about Georgia and, and A&M, a game that a lot of people had a lot of takes about, style points, some different things that we're going to dig into uh, as, oh, it relates to, as it relates to Georgia. Yeah, social media, yeah. I, I mean, if, if social media is any indication, that's how every person in America feels, right? So yeah, um, we're going to get to all that stuff. Before we do that, have to tell you about our good, dear friends at Sweet Hop. Now that the SEC Championship is officially official, 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 and LSU didn't actually lose a game to Arkansas, which would have been just the stunner of all stunners, LSU is officially going to Atlanta for the SEC Championship. They're going to take on the number four ranked Georgia Bulldogs. 
This is set up to be the game of the year. This is the perfect opportunity to rally your college crew or impress potential clients with an unforgettable experience in a luxury VIP suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Finding tickets for this marquee event can seem almost impossible, but not at Sweet Hop. Our friends at Sweet Hop can help set your group up with the ultimate experience in a VIP suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Suites comfortably seat groups from 18 to 30 people, whether you're entertaining clients or bringing your college crew back together to see history in the making and create memories that'll last a lifetime, all while enjoying amenities like VIP parking, extra wide seats, big screen TVs, access to premium catering, food and beverage, and no long lines for the restrooms. Uncle Chris loves that. Love it. The bottom line, the sweet life is the way to go for the 2019 SEC Championship game, and Sweet Hop will get you there. But did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with sweets and seats in shared suites at other events as well, from concerts did, yeah. and pro sports. Yeah, we, we discussed this a couple times. You, you knew that. From concerts and pro sports to Supercross and family events, Sweet Hop can upgrade your event experience all across North America. No hidden fees, and our outstanding personalized customer service will convince you that Sweet Hopping is the way to go for all your events. Saturday Down South listeners can take $500 off any $500, SEC championship $500, guys? That's $500. That's a half a thousand. I can't that's, even count that That's high. half of what I lost yesterday in gambling. Is it really? No, it's I'm just double. It's double. Okay. <laughs> that was a lot of math for me. A little, little earlier for that. Um, use, use that promo code SDS. Just head to sweethop.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com. And use the code SDS for 500 bucks off any SEC championship suite booking. A team, Guys, that is, a team that's going to be there. Georgia. We have to announce something real quick, though, beforehand. Oh, we're officially announcing it? Oh, yeah. Connor, you know what? No more fall weddings, bro. No more fall weddings. You didn't tell me that and we were announcing it. You're announcing it to me that we're announcing it. You should see my audio levels right now. It seems like I'm yelling again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, I, we have two announcements. One, I want to talk about Sweet Hop one more time for a second. And, and I know I know that this is an ad read. We talk about this. And, and sometimes people might want to, like, like, you know, fast forward through. You shouldn't. You shouldn't because we're giving you a good deal here. It's, it's $500 off of a suite of one of the best games of the year. This is a de facto play-in game to the to the college football playoff. Um, you know, it, it'll be a lot of fun. We we're, we're taking advantage of this. This is we. It, Bay asked me what what I wanted for Christmas, and I said nothing because you do enough for me already. And you didn't say I, that. I did. Yeah, because she's this this. We got a house. Like I don't. True. You. I mean, y'all know my salary. I mean, come on now. Go crazy. So <laughs> so um. We uh we t- was talking to her and she was like well, I was like what do you want and she's like oh, I'm good too and I was like okay I I didn't get you a house so I, let's what do you want yes yeah, and and we were talking about this and we we're talking about just doing some stuff for ourselves we just got a brand new leaf blower so it might be something around the house might be really lame or we talked about using this little sweet hop deal Celine Dion tickets oh boom there we yeah. go wrap your head around that for a second us just sitting there just just standing prom pose like the the doing the Titanic thing. Could be a lot of fun. Um, I imagine everybody does that at a Celine Dion concert. You have to at least once, right? I yeah, I'm sure that's almost how I got kicked out of Shreveport's when I went to her concert in Shreveport and tried to do that to her. I'm kidding. It did not happen. It's not how, not how the Shreveport story happened. Um, anyway, the other big announcement, and we are very, very excited to talk about this, and that is December sixth, seven thirty. Yeah, turn up your volumes, guys. Yep. It's December sixth, seven thirty. We have officially, officially gone on sale uh, for tickets to our live event. Connor and me, several special guests. 
several special guests to be announced later. Uh, we'll be live doing a, a, a live podcast recording, um, meet and greet, Q&A, whatever you want to call it, all of the above. We'll do a live fourth and wrong. I got a lot of stuff planned. Uncle Chris might come out there and do some jokes. I don't know. Probably not going to happen. But the live event itself, for some 7.30 to 9.30, the night before the SEC Championship game, We've got tickets on sale. It's at the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. If you've ever listened to me talk about it before, you know how much I love the College Football Hall of Fame. It is one of the coolest places on earth. So we are doing our show there. That's right. I can't wait. I am Do so Doing real big. So get make sure you get on the SDS Pod Facebook group. We have tickets. We have a link there because we want to give those people, priority, like our listeners and the people and members of that group, priority access until we kind of uh, let it go site-wide to everyone. Um, so you guys have first access of it. Tickets are $24. Make sure you get them now. There's only a 150 total tickets that will be on sale. And I promise you that it'll sell out. Okay? So I don't want to sound like an Instagram influence right now. But I promise you it'll sell out. Everyone's been asking about my skincare routine. Just get on there and get it. It's going to be worth your while. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're um, still working out some of the details in terms of some of the guests that we're going to have. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're, we're really looking forward to getting to do this. This is something that we've talked about for a while, a goal that we set out to have yep. back in uh, when we were coming up with, with our, our regular season goals. And, you know, I think July we talked about doing something like this, just being able to have a live show that, you know, we, we were able to do this last year at the Battery, you know, right before the SEC Championship as well. You know, a little bit of a different setup, didn't have the yeah. Facebook group in place there, and now having this, you know, really, I mean, this is this is a credit to, to you all for, for listening, for being so active in the Facebook group to, to give us the confidence to want to do something like this. And we're, we're just really looking forward to it. We want to meet as many people as possible. We want to talk some football, of course, and we want to have some fun and just kind of give you guys the ultimate peel behind the onion, except yeah. up close and impersonal. So if you're going to be in Atlanta, right. please, please, please do what you can to try and make it over there. Buy tickets today. It's going to be worth your while. 24 bucks. And just trust me, the list of people that we have, uh, you know, again, that's TV announced later. Um, it's going to be worth it. It'll be a lot of fun. If it's just me and Connor, it'll be worth it. We're going to have a great time with you guys. We will. Um, we're definitely going to go out afterwards because this year, Uncle Chris doesn't have to be all nervous and, and, and antsy or be on camera the next day. True. Group. I'm, so wow, I don't have to be pretty the next morning. And so we, we're going to go out afterwards and all that good stuff. And I will say this too. I will also be signing autographs uh, for $20 a pop at the show. And that's not just like not autographs for me. It's me forging another person's autographs that you can choose and then send that to somebody for a Christmas present. So I was going to say, like, who's yeah. paying $20 for your autograph? No, not me. It could be anybody. Bill Clinton. Oh, okay. uh, Tom Landry. Barry Sanders. I'll sign it and just pretend it's them. And then there you go. You've got a Christmas present for somebody else. Let's get on to week 13. Let's accept no, you can't do two autographs because the, the spelling and that would just be oh, a lot. bring that up right now. Yeah, sorry. All oh, right, because the two autographs not as expensive as Joe Burrows. <laughs> <laughs> that always comes up. Always has to come up. How about a Jake Fromm autograph? Jake Fromm autograph, I don't know how much that'd be going for in Athens these days with how much the offense is struggling, but Georgia does escape with a win and wins a game against A&M that we said coming in, we thought it was going to be a grinded out, kind of rough and tough. A&M defense is, is improved. We didn't think that Georgia was necessarily going to blow them out of the water. Ends up winning this game, and I think there are some people who, given the circumstances in which Georgia won, were questioning because the George Pickens non-call on the what was offensive pass interference. Um, there was there were several missed calls in what this game. What a route, huh? Man, not a route. You just got to respect somebody like that. He was onside. 
Oh, you're talking. Oh, I think Pickens is onside. I thought you said what a route, like what a blowout, as if like you're trolling Georgia. I'm like, oh, oh man, like, I'm I just... trolling Georgia, but it has nothing to do with that. No, we're gonna have. Some, I I caught some heat yesterday. You missed the Facebook live. I'm assuming I caught a lot of heat for standing up for Georgia and saying they they were not gonna get blown out by LSU. And but then, God. but then afterwards, during the game, you tweeted something about Jake Fromm that I thought was really interesting. Why don't you share what the responses were? Yeah. About that? So here's the thing: How many more games are we going to throw out excuses for how crappy Jake Fromm has looked this year? Like, how many more times? Are we gonna, well, it was raining on that day. Jake Fromm's a good quarterback. He's a he's a really good quarterback. We've had Matt Miller on this podcast last year, go, going into the season, talking about how he thought he would be a, a first round pick. I think a lot of people understand the the. This is a five-star recruit. This kid had beat out Jacob Eason and Justin Fields. Whether you think that's the right thing to do or not, he did that. He's looked mediocre at times. A lot of times. It's not like he had what We talked about it was like, well, it was one game. I saw somebody tweet me something yesterday about South Carolina, and it was like <laughs> this like long list of excuses. It was raining against Kentucky. South Carolina, it was early, and it, it was a 12 True. o'clock game. And, I, and there was this icicle, and it's, it, it, it felt... That's from A Christmas Story. But I just... Uh, yeah, how many times are we... How many more excuses are we going to make for somebody... The receivers aren't getting open. Lawrence, Lawrence Cager? Lawrence Cager is the reason he's not doing well? It, it kind of is my at language, this point. but who the f- is Lawrence Cager? Lawrence he's, Cager is a good receiver. He's not the best receiver in the SEC. He's not the best receiver. And now I'm off. I'm already off. You're off. You're off. It's like Lawrence Cager is not the best receiver in the country. Stop making excuses and say what you're seeing on the field. Like he's not. He has not been good. He's he has he has regressed. He has made your team like not a, not reach its full potential. Don't put that crap on two five star freshman receivers or tight ends. I know there are okay. God. I know there are Georgia fans who are saying, "Why are you hating on Georgia so much?" You know, they're you know they won a game, they beat a, a power five team with a winning record. I, I get all that. It was not like they were a thirty point favorite and they won it by a touchdown or something like that. You know, we're our, our expectations of Georgia have shifted absolutely. I kind of wonder we, they've shifted to to reach and match the the ridiculous. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Because now I'm all heated. <laughs> they, they, our, our expectations of Georgia have finally shifted to the same almost unreasonable expectations and you know that, that Georgia fans have put on them about so, them being elite. So this is this is a comparison that I've that I kind of thought about last week, and the Lawrence Cager thing makes me realize it even more. It's a little bit different, but this this offense is almost and this team is kind of built like 2017 Alabama in a way where Jalen Hurts yep. everybody you know everybody knew by the end of the year that if Calvin Ridley wasn't open he didn't trust his receivers his young receivers who were obviously ridiculously talented he didn't trust them necessarily in single coverage and he felt like the DB was going to make the better play on the ball and he's hesitant he's not throwing balls that he usually would and there is that with Jake Fromm. There absolutely is that because you you know you could see it and you could you could look at these aerial views and say, well, all right. I mean, that guy's single coverage. It's not like he's you know sitting there like you know with with two guys around him or something like that. And you know that's kind of happened throughout this year. And I just wonder, you know, what's this going to look like in in you know these games that are going to matter down the stretch if Georgia is obviously playing against LSU and what we think this defense is you know everybody kind of wants to know like well what's it going to take for this offense to like who's going to wake this offense up and and all of a sudden like we're going to see it it kind of explode into kind of what we thought it would be this year I don't know if there's a team that's left in the field that Georgia would have to play that would really allow them to do that maybe in Oklahoma or something like that but I just think it's 
it's it, Georgia is what it is at this point. DeAndre Swift dude, told us a, a month and a half ago, this is the offense. Just kind of deal with it. Spot on, dude. Uh, and, I, and I tell you what, we brought this up on the – I'm sorry for that loud noise when I, I knocked over the tripod holding the phone <laughs> during your, your talk. Um, and this was, honestly, this wasn't planned. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on yelling at somebody today. I'm in a great mood. But it just it, it frustrates me because I still think this Georgia defense is the best defense in the country. I think they have a very good chance still of beating LSU. And I've really had do. one rushing yard, by the way. One they had negative yard. one. Or yeah, negative they one had rushing yard. My bad. Negative. That is stupid. That is absolutely <laughs> stupid. And and you know like LSU fans are like we're gonna trash, we're gonna crush this Georgia defense. And it, 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 college football has become it's such a reactionary thing now, like because we have social media, so you can constantly take like when I used to, you know, when I used to check up with scores. What I would do every single uh, Sunday, Sunday morning is we get the paper. I'd wait till my dad was done reading it. Then I would go through the sports section. And I would read every single recap of, of each top twenty-five game or SC game. That's how you find out stuff. Now you're just—it sounded really old. Now you're just <laughs> streaming stuff constantly. It's like, well, Georgia's not good or Bama's not good because the first half of this team, and it, you know, and, and I get caught up in it too because you you can constantly be in communication with people. But I brought this up yesterday about how LSU's defense. Is, is honestly, I think it's trash. I think I think it's a, a trash defense. I, I think they have talent everywhere. They and somebody's like, well, they've got you know, just wait till they, they the next three games. They're gonna do this and they're, they're gonna finally hit stride. And it's like, dude, this is week thirteen. Yeah, they're just this, not this is well the eleventh game. Yeah. No, this is this is who you are. This this is not the same thing. What I say every single Monday: diet starts today. Nope, nope. This is who you are, man. The, the, your 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 defense is not gonna start the diet on Monday. I'll just throw that out there. And so it bothers me though because it's like people have such a hard time when we have su- we now have such a, a huge body of work. We yeah. have we have the resume. So the Georgia LSU comps are going to keep coming because in this day and age everybody's going to want to gravitate towards the newer, cooler thing. Right. Like that's 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 such a big part of this and how we talk about Georgia and LSU. And I, I think with Georgia too. This belief, and I wrote about this, uh, you know, heading into heading into the weekend about Georgia's. Can a team playing this style win a national championship in this day and yep. age? And it's such an interesting question because if you look at the playoff era and you break down the numbers, the winning team in the national championship has had an average of thirty-eight points. Think about all these games that Bama's played in the national championship, where. Gosh, you look at the scoreboard and you're like, ah, winning teams like up over forty like every time, and you you kind of wonder, is Georgia going to win a national championship, winning twenty one to fourteen? Are they going to be able to do that in twenty nineteen, where these offenses, you know, they they are just so efficient now? A team like LSU, a team like Ohio State, a team like Oklahoma, the the efficiency that they have is just it's different, and you don't know like uh, yes, you can control great. the clock. Well, I, I'm just saying, like, I think it's just an interesting question to throw out there of, like, yeah. they are so different that they're almost going to be like, and if Georgia gets into the playoff, or I guess even Georgia in the SEC championship, Georgia, in a way, hear me out on this, is almost like a a modern, like, well-built service academy for the way that certain teams oh, are no. no i'm saying i'm saying in terms of what teams are used to facing defensively georgia plays such a different style because it is still so traditional in that in that regard and can this be like a, oh we're going to actually force you to tackle for four quarters we saw how that impacted a team like michigan earlier year. we saw how it impacted a team like oklahoma last year and it's different in that it's a totally different style of game and lsu preparing to face an ohio state is so much different than lsu preparing to face georgia and can Georgia be the fly in the ointment for a team for for essentially three straight games to win an SEC championship to win two games in the playoff? I, I just think, think it's interesting to, to kind of consider all these possibilities. I think that is such a – not in a rude way because I, I get what you're saying. I think that's such a 
I don't want to say prisoner of the moment. I want to say, I do want to say disservice to what they built. This team has built the irony Jake of Fromm, disservice to the I know, right? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Jake Fromm has looked has looked bad at times. He overthrew so many people yesterday, and, and my my faults are with him. Like, well, like let's just say what he is, man. Like he's not as good as we thought he was. That's fine. This team is better than we thought they were. Like, they, like this team. Okay, they beat A and M at home. They only beat them by six. They, you know, you know, because because at this point, one thing you do have to do with all the shiny bells and whistles is you got to blow people out. You got impress me. It's, exactly. It's the whole like make me a bicycle clown. Like like imp, what do you make me laugh? Tell me a joke. Like like I I hate it. Wedding I crashers. Hate all of this. Yes. Like it, it's he. They are a good. This defense has not given up more than seventeen points all season to an offense. They gave up twenty to South Carolina, and part of that was on a pick six, and it was double overtime. This defense has not given up more than seventeen points in the hardest conference in the entire country. All season long. That is their body of work. I don't give a... They're going to give it more than 17 against LSU. Without a doubt. LSU was, was up 7-6 to six with 8 minutes to go in the second quarter last night. You want to talk about a team that's underwhelming? Like, LSU... They, I know, I know what happened. They won fifty six to twenty. That's fine. But you, if you're, if the argument's going to be, well, Georgia looked bad against an A and M team that's seven and three with three losses to teams that were ranked in the top ten at the time. Yeah, that, and then, that needs and then to we're going to we're going to remove the thing from like LSU's a great football team. We're we're arguing about the wrong points here because if you think that Georgia is not going to move the ball down that crappy defense for LSU, you're wrong. I, I don't care if it is freshman receiver. So, so what do you what do you think Georgia's? So if if this game is being played, let's say it's being played next Saturday, we know oh, what God. we know. How, how does this game go? How do how how do you see LSU being able to to stop this Georgia this Georgia LSU offense? LSU hasn't been punched in the mouth yet by a defense. LSU has not, they have not been punched in the mouth by the Alabama's defense wasn't that. They have not been punched in the mouth. Hold on, you know what? I'll get out my handy notebook right now and tell you. Oh no, they, we got shuffle the papers. This we're gonna shuffle some papers real quick, but it's gonna be worth it. I promise. This this defense LSU has played. They played three defense. Their average rank of defense is sixty seventh in the country. 67th that's yeah i mean and i get like this this late in the year it's it's easy to look at something like that but you know you could look you could also point it what do you mean it's it's easy to look at something like that they haven't played anybody on defense no no no, that's what i'm saying i'm 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 crediting you i'm saying like that's a worthy stat this late in the season it's easy to look at something like that garbage but what i what i i would also point out like okay but you could make the argument that Georgia's Georgia's biggest strength is is the run defense. Obviously, like you saw what A and M tried to do, where there's there's yeah. like we're just gonna throw the ball all day. Like we're not even gonna bother running. And I kind of thought that that was gonna be the case coming in, given right. the offensive line struggles. But I, I I really I'm so fascinated to see the way that this game can potentially go because you bring up the point about Georgia. You know, everybody like is is critical of Georgia with the style points, but like what about OSU? You know, being there seven to six. You know what if what if it's a situation like that with Georgia where you know they they're holding them and they they feel like they're getting stops they're getting this momentum but then LSU just like LSU all LSU needs is like the three quick strike plays and and all it takes is that one that one or two busts whereas like Georgia just hasn't necessarily faced that team that can have those you know that can really capitalize. I, I tell on you that. this, there's there is there's not anything that I've seen from this Georgia defense that makes me think they are going to get torched up and down the field. Give up 500 yards of offense. Give up 40 plus points to this. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care if they're playing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I, don't, I there's nothing about this defense that makes you think that. In the same way, I think you could say that, like, well, LSU, like no one stops them. They put up all these points all year. They haven't played a defense like this. And and I think that it's a lot easier for me if, if my team is if if my team like our strength is defense. We're gonna get. They're gonna get stops. Georgia is going to flat out get stops. They're I gonna agree. get turnovers. I agree. And, and and I tell you what, I talked about this before. When you when you put a team in a situation where they they haven't they're not familiar with Georgia is more than familiar with being 
inefficient on offense. They they are very familiar with like having the ups and downs and getting through like these like lulls where their offense doesn't do much. LSU is not familiar with being punched in the mouth by a defense that's going to get after Joe Burrow all effing day. They are going to be very stingy. There's not a better defensive coach. Well, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. Ooh, say it, say it. Go, go ahead. But regardless, I, I think I think that LSU is is I would still pick LSU to win. But I don't have I, I don't have a doubt in my mind. In the same way, I don't have a doubt in my mind that George is going to get it stops and knock up forty points. I have I have zero doubt in my mind that they're also going to put up thirty plus points of this trash defense from LSU. I thought I don't you care said last, back. I thought you said last week that Georgia was going to win. I didn't say that. Oh, I thought you did. I said they have a no. Don't put words in my mouth. I said they have a very I, good chance because Will got fired up about this yesterday too, and it's how we'll put money on it. I said I'm not saying that. I'm saying they will run for over two hundred yards on you guys. I think I said 225, and they will. 31-27 game? No, it'll probably be 35-31. 34 That's basically the same thing I said. 31-27, nah, 35-31. I mean, either way, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I don't think – I, I, I'm, I'm saying LSU's going to win. And when I say that LSU hasn't played anybody, I'm not saying that they're, they haven't played anybody, like, all season. Their, their resume speaks for itself. They went on the road and beat Tuscaloosa for the fifth time since 2008. But, like, like the, Georgia has – it's 1A – and I'll say one C for Georgia's resume because they've, yeah. they've been fantastic. What LSU fans would say to that, and this is this was something I was going to bring up earlier, but it just it slipped my mind. The the one last thing I'll say on this is that you know, Bama and Florida were actually sandwiched right around Georgia in terms of scoring defense and stuff like that. So you could look at something like that, and I realize that it's different. It's different in Georgia. The way that it defends is different than the way Alabama defends. Georgia's much better in the front seven. Obviously, Florida was dealing without. The, the likes of uh, they're Jabari healthy. Zuniga. They're not missing half of the front Ryan. seven. Exactly. Both those teams were. So exactly. I, I mean, like... I think that's... Yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to at least bring that up, though, to, to say, okay, well, LSU has seen these seen defenses that yeah. are statistically just as good. But, yes, it's worth adding that context in. Let's let's move there's, on. Yeah, there's no way you can look at those two defenses and think yeah. that this team... Yeah. Right. Let's let's move on from Georgia because we're going to have a lot more discussion about, about the dogs leading into the SEC championship, no doubt. Let's go to five things I liked. Instead of doing one thing that we like from every single non-A&M Georgia game, um, because, sorry, Vandy fans, if you're listening right now, Godspeed, oh, but man. we're not going to sit here and break down I liked, Tennessee I liked what Vandy put out for, for my social I was on fire with social media yesterday. Derek Mason's that. coming back. Derek, that's. Did you see the picture from the stadium? Uh, how bad was it? You what? Did you get on social media yesterday? Yes, but I, I was Connor, in the I all day. It. I told you this <laughs> in the lead. I told the little peel behind the onion here. I said to Marler before we started this podcast. Well, you didn't do this. You didn't give me. The, you didn't give me a thing. I said to you right before we came on the podcast. I'm like, all right. I try to consume as much of this as possible. Yeah. But if there's a little detail like this that you know that you don't leave me. Oh, it was, on on, it was all over our SDS stuff. That's why I thought you. I thought you saw it. The the Andy. So Vandy, Vandy spelled out their their name and half like before the game it says Vandy, but they're missing like half the van, the band and the V. Oh god! So it just because Andy and it looked like the Toy Story writing. It was incredible. It might not mean enough. That's bad. Dude, there was there was like 150 people there. Oh, that's amazing that 150 people showed up to see that. Um, in Nashville, yeah. Speaking of teams in Tennessee, let's talk about a different team in Tennessee, the Vols. Can, clinching bowl eligibility a week before the Vandy game, something I did not think was going to happen a month and a half ago. The God, one thing gonna I like they're going to hit their over on their on their season win total. Well, it's regular season. Wasn't the regular season win total six seven? and a half? Oh, no. six and a half. Oh. Yeah, because it dropped down right for the season. Oh, okay. Wow. One thing I liked. How about Jared Garantano, JG, ya boy clinching bull eligibility for all of that that kid has been through probably could have quit this team like five different times 
Tried um, to on the QB sneak. I, we'll get to, <laughs> we'll get some more on that a little bit later. The Bama QB sneak. Um, crew high 415 passing yards in this game. First time in a bowl game for Tennessee since 2016. And you think about somebody who has just meant so much to that program. And Jeremy Pruitt has just sung his praises at every single chance this year. And you just kind of wonder, like, how many kids like this have gone through what Jared Garantano has, where you think about his first two years just getting the crap beaten out of him nonstop, God. nonstop. And for Physically. him to be able to celebrate, like, people often question, oh, like, what do, what do bowl games really mean? Like, what does it really matter? Go look at that program. Go look at what Tennessee has had to deal with. Their fans, you know, th- those players, guys like Juwan Jennings, and tell me you know, that a bowl game means nothing to them because that's right. just not true. I, I tell you what, if if you if I if I had to sit back and get beat up just through like a mash unit on the offensive line for for two straight years, and just just black and blue from bruises nonstop, and then the last year, I was going to spend the holidays in Birmingham and get like a two hundred dollar gift card to Best Buy. Yep, sign me up. Yeah, like, we make fun of that all the time, but absolutely, you sign go me get up. your beats by Dre, Jared Gantano. You've yeah, you deserve those absolutely. Yeah. He might actually be the number three quarterback in the SEC after all. Dude, he's killing it. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm I'm so fired up today. I, you know what? You, you got me. You got me with that Jake Fromm thing. I'm now now I am all fired up. Sorry for the audio levels, Will. That wasn't that controversial. The Jake Fromm thing. It really wasn't. It wasn't yeah. that bad. I wasn't I wasn't sitting here defending him necessarily. I'm just sometimes I just wonder when I say stuff. I I just think in my head of because I, I don't get to some of the good stuff I meant to say until later or, or whatever. And so I wonder I wonder how many people are just like in the car like, you idiot! Like screaming and hollering. It Sorry, happens. guys. It happens to the best yeah. of us. But really happy for, for a guy like Garantano who uh, is going to get to get a chance to finish the season. And who knows what's going to happen with him with the bowl eligibility. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about Brian Maurer potentially you know, taking over this offense. He's the future. Yeah. I wrote how I thought Jeremy Pruitt needed to just kind of turn it over to him. Why thought Jared can in the game? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it, we've we've asked questions about the Tennessee quarterback situation so much, and it feels like for the first time in a long time, we're finally not asking them. I'm I will say I'm just very very happy for for JG and for and for Jawan Jennings, man. I, and I don't know if you you saw this or not, but did you see the hit by chance from uh, shoot? I can't remember his name now. There was a, there was a dude from a zoo that just lit. Why is his name escaping me? He wanted to say Niles. That's the guy from Frazier. <laughs> so I don't know. Not him. It's, it's not him. I'm pretty sure that guy didn't strap him up yesterday. But uh, yeah, he got just absolutely just blown up at the goal line. That, but this this is such a fun game, man. This this is a fun game to watch. It was I was really impressed with JG and, and Juwan Jennings. I mean, guys like you said that have really put in so much effort and and I hate cliches the whole blood, sweat, and tears thing into a program when they didn't have to when it was going through so many different things. And they stuck it out. And, like, guys like that down the line, like, that's not a Heath Shrew. It's not a Peyton Manning. It's not a Jamal Lewis or, or whatever. But these guys, like, are so influential and impactful into a, a program moving forward. I, I just I can't speak on it enough. If Tennessee gets to this point five years from now where they're, you know, uh, maybe 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 it'll take less than five years. Maybe it's more like two or three years where they are at Georgia and Florida levels. We will look back on this team. <laughs> We'll look back on this team and, and, and yeah. realize that, that they played a key role in getting there and setting the foundation. And this, the injuries, man. No one's talking about their injuries. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's talk about Mark Stoops, our guy. Put your money in this bank. The thing I liked 
Mark Stoops turning down Florida State and then, oh, no big deal. It's just going to go lead his team to bowl eligibility. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a cake week matchup, but still. The news coming out before the game about Mark Stoops turning down Florida State. He removed himself as a candidate after reportedly meeting with them. Uh, FSU apparently talked to him, and he got the vibe that he wasn't their top choice. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm staying in Kentucky. And like I've been saying from the jump, I really, really, truly think that he likes the situation that he has at Kentucky where it's a a super coach-friendly deal. He's got a ton of incentives in that contract. It's making five and a half million bucks at Kentucky. Florida State wasn't going to be able to come over the top and make some ridiculous offer. They weren't going right. to offer him up like $7 million. And to be honest, you know, he's got a, he still has a chance to win eight games at Kentucky this year. And I don't know what Kentucky's ceiling is, if their ceiling was last year or something like that. But he's not a guy who necessarily looks at it that way. And I think the more you kind of break his situation down, you just kind of wonder, could this guy be a, a Kentucky lifer? Can he be... A little bit like, um, you know, everybody thought, you know, Tom Izzo was going to be a guy who's going to leave Michigan State basketball and he stayed there for 20 years and how he changed the, the, the culture and direction of that program. Can Mark Soups kind of be that guy for them and be this guy who, you know, people, teams like Florida State are going to come after? And, you know, even though he's a coordinator there and even though he has connections and he is, you know, he's got a big, He's, he's big in the coaching fraternity, so to speak. He's got a lot of yeah. friends in the business. Is he going to be a guy that's just is turning down big-time jobs left and right and all the more power for Kentucky? Because I think he's a fantastic coach, and I think Kentucky is so much better off with having him. And I don't want to diminish this by any means, but you talk about this before. I bring it up all the time. Like I think it's a perfect example of some coaches who know – like. Mark Stoops isn't gonna isn't gonna go out and recruit five stars necessarily. He's not gonna go out there and, and like he's not gonna go win a national championship. I just I'll just say that. Like I, I I love I love Mark Stoops and I love what he's done. But some some coaches are, are more cut out to doing this and like building up a program from scratch, like you know, and, and finally getting to a place like where like you are relevant year in and year out. He and, grinds. And he lives for the grind. That's what he, he does. does. He that, that's the best way to put it. Honestly, is he lives for the grind because you know when you get to a place like Florida State. It gets you see it now with like Bama too, where it's like you build this thing up to where it's supposed to be, you know, from the fans want it and how big it is, and then then you start having these people leave and they're not buying into the program for so long because you can only you can only maintain that for such a long time. I absolutely love what he's been able to do at Kentucky, and despite what you said, anything I'm not going to bring up anything about involving Michigan State culture, but regardless, I think no, but like similar guy. similar aspect yeah. in that you you get a you get a coach that everybody kind of expects to leave right away, and it's like yeah. oh yeah, he's this coach on the rise, but then you kind of think I you know he actually has a lot of really good things in place here, and yeah, this is a program that's going to love him and is going to treat him with with the utmost respect as long as there as yeah. long as he's there, and that's a pretty hard nosed blue have. collar. I love yeah. it, man. I, I think I think it's I think it's great, and I, I think it honestly it speaks volumes about a couple two things. It speaks volumes about where the where the state of the FSU program is, and yep. we're not going to get that because I don't want to get you on that. But but it also <laughs> it speaks to it speaks to the SEC and where people I think want to be. And I know that sounds I I don't want to bang the drum and beat this. No, that's a good point. But but it really does. It it like it speaks volumes about how where like I mean you think about this. You go to Florida State and you are instantly untapping endless resources. For for a for a fan base, a alumni group, boosters that are hungry to win because they're embarrassed about what's been going on, you're going to be in Florida. So you have all this endless talent around you. You're going to get recruits. You get to play Clemson, and that's about it. And you got to play Florida, but but like you'd rather stay in the SEC East with Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen, Florida, and Georgia every single year than have to go to the ACC. Like that. Think about that. But think what's about an it. easier route? 
Florida State, I mean, Florida State chews you up and, and spits you out. Like, I mean, look at what, what it did to to Willie Taggart and the fact that, that Jimbo... You did that. Well, I mean, I, he gave me some help, let's just say that. <laughs> uh, you know, the way that things ended with Jimbo, I just kind of wonder the, the dynamics that are at play there. You have to like the people that you're working for. You have to get along with them. You have to feel like they're all in with you. If Stoops walked into that meeting and what it sounds like, if he feels like if he felt like, hey, I'm not their first choice. They're they're kind of treating me like a backup option. What's to say that they're gonna consider me like a first choice and like they're gonna go to bat for me if we, you know, have a seven win season or something like that? Right. You gotta feel like your bosses want you to be there and they're all in. And he feels like he has that at Kentucky. He doesn't he didn't feel like he was gonna have that at Florida State. And I give him credit for making a decision coming out and saying it when he did right after the game where he just addresses a point blank. He said, I'm going to be at Kentucky. This is my place. You say it a month before the early signing period goes into effect. And I just think that it was a really smart move on his part because he knows what was out there. He's he's I mean he's he's woke. He understands what what you know everybody's saying about yeah. you know stuff on on the internet and all that stuff. So I, I credit Mark Stoops for coming out and squashing those rumors when he did. All right, number three, Kylan Hill. The guy that we said coming into this year, we knew. Jesus Christ! We I knew one time thing. To watch Kylan Hill. All right. I mean, I, the 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 play. I I did see the the replay of his eighty eight yard touchdown where it was a little like, it, it was almost like if you would you would run that play on the goal line where um, it was like the Tebow jump pass, the way it started, where he does like the first he runs up to the line of scrimmage like it's going to be a run play, and instead of doing like a jump throw, Kylan Hill is just running this seam. And it's he's wide open. Like they are they are sold out to, to stop the yeah. run on a play like that. And then they connect with him and eighty-eight yards later he scores a touchdown. I wanted to, to highlight the year that Kylan Hill is having because Mississippi State is not having that year, obviously. The Joe Moorhead offense. We want to make sure we give credit to Mississippi State somehow, some way. They <laughs> the are Joe, five and six, but we want to make sure we give them give them a shout out here. The Joe Moorhead uh, offense has disappointed, but Kylan Hill, the work that he has put together now. People are not going to realize this. And you brought up the great comp about a month ago, the Travion Williams comp. He's having a Travion Williams-type year. Yeah. Not necessarily quite as involved in the passing game because Moorhead wants to make sure that he can stay as healthy as he can to be that true um, you know, backfield threat in the running game. But he's now up to 1,215 rushing yards, which is seventh in power five. He's just south of 1,400 yards from scrimmage. If he plays two more games, he's got a chance to finish the year. You know, they would have to win the Egg Bowl, obviously. He's got a chance to finish with 1,700 yards from scrimmage. I just think that the year that he's having is is probably pretty underappreciated, and I, I don't want Mississippi State fans to, you know, think that he's necessarily just gobbling up stats in, in meaningful games. I mean, this is somebody who's been extremely durable and has, has really done everything he can to be on that field for this team. Where would Mississippi State be without Colin Hill? That's a wild question. <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, I I have three wins right now. Are they five? Are they they're four and seven, or they're five? They're five and six. six. They're playing for bowl eligibility next week. Don't say it like that. Like they deserve it. Because I tell you what, if they make a bowl, I I can't wait. You were one of the first people that brought up like Bama's only beat one team with a winning record in Power Five, and I'm like, okay, can't wait to see how many are bowl eligible. Tennessee's gonna be effing six and five next week. Like this is so stupid. Yeah, great job, Kylan Hill. Hater. Moving on. Right. I, no, you're a hater. You're I'm, a hater. I gave Kylan Hill praise. I didn't hate on anyone. I'm all I'm not love. talking about Kylan Hill. You're a hater about other stuff. Moving on. Moving right. on. I'm not going to hate on your guy, Coach O, um, because he oh, trolled Arkansas man. in a way that 
nobody has this year, and I think we it's easy to kind of take this for granted <laughs> because nobody has this a coach. Everyone on social media has. <laughs> yeah, everybody this is has, unreal. Good point. Yes, everybody on social media does this, but coaches don't do this because coaches always want to build up their opponents. Blah blah yeah. blah. This is how much Coach O is feeling himself these days. <laughs> His post game quote: He said, "There wasn't going to be." Celebration for beating Arkansas. They haven't beaten anyone in a long time. Coach O, tell us how you really feel about the Hawks. Kyle, we come in here and say, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk for a minute here. We're not going to be a celebration. We're supposed to beat that team. Yeah, we did. Move on to A&M. What about the uh, 76? You're my hog. Hey, they ain't even baking, Connor. They ain't even baking right now. They turkey baking. You ever had turkey baking? I have. It's pretty good, actually. I like, both. I like regular bacon better, but. I mean, nothing you say that right now surprised me <laughs> at all. Not nothing you say surprised me, but it, it's still gross. That team. <laughs> I mean, you got that onside kick. What kind of sorcery was that, Coach O? I think you trying to dunk on Arkansas after that game was. I, I I'm here for it. I love it. I wish more coaches did it. Kind of you know smell you later type deal. But I will just say. It was seven to six for a little bit too long. For a little bit too long. Oh no. Oh boy. He's coming back. Hey Connor. Hey, how are you? Oh, Matt Luke. Let me tell you something here, Coach. Listen, I, I know you're one of those big men. Uh, it's, it's comes in here and you get all excited and, and, and you, you know take your shirt off and drinking your Red Bull and you're, you're beating your chest and all kind of stuff. We're, we're kind of tired of, of of this attitude you've got towards us, our smaller teams here. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm gonna see after the Egg Bowl. I'm gonna see you in the parking lot, and, we, and me, and well, not Chad Morris, but he's gonna he's gonna come at you like a spider monkey. I'm gonna get Chad Morris out of retirement. He's gonna have about nine Red Bulls, one more than you, and we're gonna fight you because we're tired of it. We are absolutely tired of it. I'm Matt two, Luke, head coach, Ole Miss football. Two questions. Two questions. One: When did Chad Morris retire? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, coach, you're stupid. And, and two, Coach O. On the nation's biggest eating holiday is going to be at the Egg Bowl. No, I'm just he's, after the Egg Bowl. Matt Lucas goes. Why are you breaking down the? Semantics he's going to be in the eat? parking lot. You said. Don't make me break the fourth wall here, Connor. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Coach O obviously focused on the A and M game, big revenge game. He said he's never going to forget the A and M. He game is last petty year. as f. Ooh, that I man, he's petty. I uh, love it. Uh, LSU did wake up after that that slow start and poured it on. Clyde Edwards-Helaire had career high in rushing yards, and Joe Burrow, you know, typical run of the mill, three hundred yard passing game, three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, what we came to expect, but did not cover thirty six point victory. What was the final spread? Forty four. We got down to forty two and a half. Oh, it did get down to forty two and a half. Did you? So the the story here is that Jack Mack from Barstool. We had a conversation about this actually yesterday. Um, did you see the over/under? The over/under in this game was what eight? Uh, no, it wasn't eight. Sixty-nine and a half. Oh wow, is that low? Sixty-nine and a half. It was seven to six with seven minutes to go in the second quarter. Sixty-nine and a half. It got up. They uh, Arkansas or LSU got up fifty-six to six, and then all hell broke loose, and they they gave up. I would be so pissed. <laughs> they scored a touchdown and then got an onside kick and recovered the onside kick somehow at like the other twenty yard line. It was crazy. So anyway, yeah, it was it was a, it was a uh, ridiculous day. Let's not wait any longer. It's, this podcast has gone for forty five right. minutes. Let's talk about the real hero of the day, Mac Jones, your guy. Return of the Mac. Over. By the way, that, right now. 
Return of the Mac came on uh, came on at the wedding last night, and I was I was feeling it. That was that that song comes on, and and we drop our drinks, we hit the dance floor. That is you, uh, you don't take your drinks on the dance floor. Yeah, I don't want to drop glass, something like that. I was near the end of my drink, you know, put it at the table. I, what you were you drinking? Uh, last night I was drinking Makers and Diet. That was like my all day drink. Ugh. What? What are you hitting on Makers for? I'm not hitting on Makers. I'm hitting on the Diet. You don't be mixing bourbon with 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 soda. No, it was fine. Pop. It was fine. It was no. eh, yeah. We didn't really call it that. Yeah, just something cool. a little, little bit something to you know something something a little bit light. Didn't want to just Keep go it straight going all, day. all day. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Nobody wants to hear about that. Return of the Mac. Mac Jones. The thing I liked was he gave Alabama fans hope that he can run the system effectively and execute exactly the way that Steve Sarkeesian drew it up, where that first touchdown pass kind of told the story a little bit of, of Mac Jones's day, which was ex- extremely efficient. You would hope it would be against Western Carolina. Shout out to the Catamounts. The swing pass to Devontae Smith, where Devontae Smith just did all the work after that. He broke like five tackles and ran around. I don't know people if he and, broke the tackles. He just, yeah, just, just kind of ran through them. It was them. weird. They not were, a tackle break, but a tackle a, like, I don't know what you would call that. He just went through everybody. Yeah, which shouldn't have happened on that no. side of the field, um, but but it did. That that pass kind of you know showed how efficient he was in you know not necessarily making the the 35, 40 yard downfield throws, but the question that I have moving forward, and you know actually you know before before I ask this question, why don't you just tell me your thoughts of, of Max Jones the day that he had, and it as a Bama fan watching this progressively and seeing him execute the offense. Did you think to yourself, even though it was Western Carolina, obviously, did you think to yourself, you know what? Maybe he'll be able to pour it on Auburn. Maybe. Did you happen to see the play where Jalen Waddle caught a screen pass, weaved all in and out of that defense, and then ran down the sidelines for like a 40, 50-yard touchdown? I'll say it. I'll say it, Connor. I've been saying it last night. I was screaming it from the rooftops. We're getting in that playoff. We are getting in what? that playoff. Yup. Oh, my we are, goodness. Everything has changed. Oh, Mac Jones, the savior. The, oh, I mean, God, I've just, we've been waiting all year to just against all odds. No, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Um, oh, wait. He, all right. That's not an official take. That's no, not an official take. That's not an official take. He, right, I, don't know why you, I don't know why you got so upset about it either because there's a very good chance. Because I, I hate to playoff. see – I had to see you so hurt a few weeks ago. I don't want to see you get hurt again. <laughs> it's like you, you find – you, 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 you do all this breakup and, you, you know, you get – I'm you going dumped. back to her. Yeah, two-year two relationship. You get I can't dumped, quit and you, then, Bama. You're like my cigarettes. And then you start dating um, somebody again. You get all excited. I'm like, I yeah. just don't want to see you get hurt, man. Just don't want to see you well, get hurt. I'm, a, I'm always going to date Bama, but I've been seeing Mac Jones on the side. It's been great. Gross. So I, I will say, I will say, I, I, I thought he looked good. I thought the receivers looked good. I think it was a very big testament where and people people want to give, whether you want to hear it or not, guys, people want to want to make excuses against Bama no matter what. Like two was only good because those receivers. That's so stupid. I think nobody I think ever brings all, up nobody ever brings up Bama's injuries. No one ever does. But I think we could all agree now. Oh Jesus, the Falcons are just killing me. I think we could all agree now that um, you know, the, like two admit way more to that team than I think anybody thought than I thought especially. Uh, he was probably a better leader than we thought, um, and that I thought as well. But that that those receivers have been fantastic. That offensive line is going to have its handful next week, handful next week. But the defense looked good. I know they went up against Western Carolina. I know they're still decimated with injuries, but. I, yeah, I, I fully, fully believe. I love that the expectations have been brought down. Two and a half point favorite at Auburn. Go win yourselves a ball game, boys. Go 11-1. Backdoor your way in that playoff. 
Do it against, nobody wants to see him do it. And as soon as it'll happen, everyone will make excuses. But not another single team in this country has gone 11-1 against going on the road, beat them with a backup quarterback and all that crap. I don't know why you're rolling your eyes. Because no. it'll be a fantastic story. It'll be a fantastic it story. Be, everyone will hate would, it, though. My, I'm rolling my eyes at the probably, I, I want to say there's at least a couple of households in which yesterday you're watching that game and they're thinking to themselves that maybe they probably discussed it. I'm not saying this is you, anybody who's listening to this, but the discussion, you know, I think Bamish is better off with Mac Jones at quarterback. Oh, there's, I'm sure there's somebody <laughs> was saying that. And that is one of the dumbest things ever. That, that, like, <laughs> they're not better off without without uh, Tua. But, I mean, anyway. yeah, I thought he looked good. I was, I was mainly excited to see the defense make plays. That, that's what I was going to Xavier about. McKinney, huge day as well. Um, <gasps> having a really, really good year. How, mu- how much are teams going to respect the deep ball with Bama? That's my question. You, well, you could A lot. Are they going to respect the deep ball with Mac Jones? Because th- everybody's going to know that you know the quick slant – the quick slant is well, where but, uh, made hold the on, money. hold on, and I'm going to get pissed off about this for a second because that's, that's all everyone's already talked about, and we, in the media especially, we pretend that we know everything going into something. How do we know that? He's he's had 61 passes this season. No, right? I know. I'm not saying he can't throw the deep ball. I'm, I'm sorry, in much, his career. But like, like so why do we, why do we know that's the offense? Why do we know he threw the deep ball several times yesterday? Why do we know that's the offense? I'm saying how much are teams going to respect it? It's not necessarily right. that he can't throw the deep ball. It's will no, they say beat us by going over the top? We are going to do whatever we can to try and contain the middle of the field. That's my question. Okay, totally, totally agree with what you're saying. What I'm asking is why? Did, because it has been brought up already. It's like, well, he he can't stretch the field like Tua. No one can stretch the field like Tua that accurately, especially on, on deep balls besides Joe Burrow. But why do we think that like we, they're just going to throw slants? I tell you what. Auburn, Kevin Seal, if you're listening, you're a fantastic defensive coordinator. You have the best defensive line in the country. If you want to sit here and press man coverage against the best receiving core in the country, have at it, Hoss. If you if you don't think that they can throw the ball deep with the best receivers, maybe maybe collectively in the history of college football on one unit, then have at it. I'm fired up. I hate Auburn. Here we go. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Kidding. I love Auburn fans. Before we get into some early rivalry week stuff, let's talk a little bit of playoff because... It was a big weekend for shaping the playoff. We talked about it in the open. Down goes Oregon, the team that I thought had a very favorable path to get to the playoff. I predicted last week that they were going to go to the playoff. They are going to be the four seed. They lose to the Fighting Herm Edwardses, and it kind of is one of the four things, the four dominoes that I think Alabama needed to fall. And that, at least for your perspective, is good news. Um, I was... For everyone that loves college football, it's not. I'm so sorry. I mean, yeah, everybody who loves college football is Bama fatigue is just sitting there just rolling oh. their eyes, seeing Oregon lose a game like that. But Utah can still win out, and I think Utah would make it ahead of Alabama if they were to win a conference championship, realizing that the, the strength of schedule is not is still not great, but neither is right. Bama's would so, not be either. So and to be clear, to be clear now, we talk about how the big good wins matter and losses don't. So so now Oregon's best win is going to be USC, who's eight and four, right, and is retroactively ranked. Okay. Right. Utah still doesn't have a win against the top twenty-five team, and won't because Arizona State is their best win. Oregon would be if they if they beat Oregon in two weeks. Yeah, if they beat if they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 right. championship. Who will probably drop out of the top ten? I would assume after losing to an unranked team. Yeah, they'll probably be yeah probably yeah. like eleven, twelve, something like that. So you're looking at you're looking at teams that have 
<laughs> Arizona State, man. Who would have thought the Arizona State would have packed the playoff this much? Yeah. Six and five Arizona State. That's that's crazy. Utah's been a very good team. This might screw over Utah, man. They they, they don't have an impressive win this season. I don't know if they're going to leave out the one loss Power Five conference champ in that scenario yeah. where they had a three loss, they had a three point loss to or one was a three point or seven. seven I don't know. Seven point loss. Seven, seven point loss, point to loss USC, on a Friday night. Yep. Thirty to twenty three. Nobody saw it, it happen on a Friday night. Doesn't matter. Pac twelve championship yeah. happening on a Friday night. Doesn't matter. Actually, maybe it isn't. Don't, this year. don't have a win against a ranked team the rest of the year. This this is beat true. up on a bunch of teams that are absolute blank. They, this is just true. just throwing that out. If we're going to make the argument for other teams, let's also be aware of they are going to be a Pac-12 champ. They have you, they have also to their credit to Utah's credit, they have looked the part. They've only had one one possession game since that loss to USC. They have at least dominated teams that they're supposed to dominate. Yeah. We've talked about that with Bama. How Bama was given what many people thought was the benefit of the doubt just to be at number three when they were undefeated because they had been right. so dominant, even though they didn't have the quality wins yet. So that's worth bringing up with Utah as well. Right. They have been and very they played good. BYU in the out of conference schedule, which is like, I mean, man, look at that. Look, I mean, you got to look at that. Wow, you know, you nobody goes into Provo. I'm, you know what? I'm full homer today. You are just, it, full homer but, today. But but it's also here's the thing though. I'm not trying to be full homer, and it's kind of like picking up steam too much, and I can tell it is. But at the same time, these are all the arguments we've made against other teams, and now that it's it's becoming less convenient to make that argument because this possibility, this door is opening back up for Bam to get back in. It'll be really interesting to see what. What argument people are going to put together? Because because the ones we've been building, Bama hasn't will beat these teams. Like they're not going to win their conference. It's going to be eleven one, you know, Pac twelve champ. It's becoming less and less impressive. Fair enough. That's fair enough. This will this will all play out as well with Utah if they're able to win. If they're able to win the Pac twelve and able to win out, then we're gonna we're gonna have to dissect resumes in a, in a different way because we yeah. never know what teams are going to be able to sneak into the top twenty five. All those different all things top five in. teams in the SEC would go in the Pac twelve. All five. All five teams in the SEC could go into the Pac-12 and run run that 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 gauntlet of a schedule and win that conference. They already beat Oregon. All all five of them. You don't all think right. Florida could? I'm just telling you right now. Florida, Auburn, Bama, uh, Georgia, and and LSU. How far Oregon has fallen since being a top five team to no longer right. what would be a top five team in the SEC? All right. The two-loss Big Ten playoff path is now essentially Minnesota would have to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. That's the only way that it can happen at this point because Ohio State beat Penn State by 11 points. Ohio State did not look the part in the second half. They came out like gangbusters, but with a backup yeah. quarterback that Penn State had, they did not go away. I mean, that, that was that was a ball game. I thought that Penn State, the defense, played much, much better after a, a really shaky start and definitely benefited, of course, from you know missed opportunities from Ohio State where you have the fumble going into the end zone that Justin Fields had, the, the drop that would have been an easy touchdown uh, over the middle of the field that did not make Uncle Chris very happy for many reasons. Yeah, put some money on that first half, uh, first half team total. I was Dude, I was killing it too because that Northwestern bet you tried to talk me out of, I didn't listen. I killed it on that. Yeah, because I covered. They won by 16, right? Yeah, so their team total in the first half was to score 13 and a half points. And I was like... Well, T- Tanner Morgan played. That was yeah, the thing that was like holding everybody back. But the line was still back. there. The line didn't move. I think the, the first oh, that's half crazy. line jumped to eight from seven. That was it. And I was like, this oh. seems like free money. They're at 14 nothing in the first few minutes, I think. Yeah, I covered that quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah no, it's, Ohio State looked good, and, and but Penn State did as well. It was, it was impressive. And I think we, we brought this up again. You know, We are an SEC podcast we obviously work for the sec website but this big the big 10 i think has been really really good this year i don't think i don't know if michigan can beat ohio state i i just thought that like it was very it was very evident to me that if penn state would have won this game 
Pitt, the Big the Big Ten could have gotten two teams in, and they would have deserved to. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with that. I don't. We said that coming in that Ohio State with with one loss in that scenario would have had the better resume than Alabama when yeah. you also factor in how dominant they've been. Everybody was kind of blasting Ohio State, you know, like a little bit in the post game, saying you know they looked more Let's vulnerable than they ever have. And it's you know it's this is the bar that Ohio State has raised for themselves because on the surface <laughs> you look you look at you look at. Uh, How did beating, they play Rutgers in Maryland leading up to this game? I know. Well, no, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I'm saying I'm saying that you're talking about a team that has been the most dominant through this point in the season since any team since 1936. They've won Power Five games by an average of 40 points. I mean, this is a team that has blown Dude, out everybody playing, in his face. Oh, I know, but they had teams. They they've won against. Their Power teams. Five. Their Power Five schedule is is like way weaker than their out-of-conference schedule. I understand that. I understand that. I'm saying the selection committee viewed them in such a high regard and viewed that dominance where we talked about this last week. They had the number one scoring defense, the number one scoring offense this uh-huh. late in the season. That's That doesn't necessarily happen by accident. I'm saying this is the bar that they have raised for themselves with how good they've been against that schedule. Right. They haven't had a close game yet. And so we see, okay, Ohio State wins the game by double digits against a top 10 Penn State team, a battle-tested Penn State team. And we say afterwards, wow, Ohio State was kind of underwhelming. This is this is all relative. This is how we judge yeah. teams based on what they have done so far leading in. Well, the backup I mean, quarterback at home, I would definitely agree with that. And then they run yeah. the field, which is a whole other thing we need to talk about. Eh, Clemson does it every game. Ohio State. That's does not. It. No, hold on. Don't that you can. This is not going to be something that we gloss over like it's not a big deal. This is a big deal, and here's why. Don't don't even start to roll your eyes about this. Here's the thing. You want to talk about a, a program that has beat their chest more than obnoxiously more than any other team in the entire country. The Ohio State University. You just said it. This they're being judged against themselves. They've they've, cre- they've raised the bar to this elite status. You rush the field after beating winning your division. That is pathetic. That is, Clemson doesn't rush the field after big wins. They all go on the field after each game. That's a tradition they've had for years and years and years. That is not even close to being the same. I know. As but somebody that's been to a game there, it's not even close to being the same. I know. All I'm saying is that you know Clemson is able to do this every single game for a team. If Ohio State wants <laughs> to do it when same. it wins... I know. I'm saying if Ohio State wants to do it when it wins the division, just let them. They beat a top 10 team. They won the division. They're, they have a, a legitimate path to the playoff. They could theoretically lose to Michigan, still have a path to the playoff. I'm saying let them. Those fans have, have wanted it. I'm, I'm just saying let them. I'm not going to sit here and blast them for doing that. I think the Penn State defense is still really good. Obviously, like we said, I think that game could have been more lopsided. The fumble in the, in the end zone definitely hurt them. Uh, the the field fumble was was very costly in that regard. Could have been a much different first half had that not happened. But let's predict what we think the playoff rankings are going to look like. At least one one through eight, I think, is, is kind of interesting. So if we start off LSU at one, Ohio State at two, or does Ohio State potentially jump LSU again? Or I don't think they're going to switch off again. I think so. But I, you never know because they, they did put so much. LSU kind of struggled early, and, and they put so much into Chase Young, who was an absolute monster yesterday. Um, I don't think they would jump him, though. Yeah, I don't think that they would just yet. Probably not. Although, if they will, it'll be because, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying if they will, it'll be because both have three wins against teams that are currently in the top 25. Ohio State mm-hmm. beat all of them by double digits. LSU only won them by single digits. I realize that LSU going into Bama is a better win than anybody on Ohio State's resume. Not denying that. But that would be the reasoning that the selection committee would use. I think that we'll have... LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Georgia 4, Bama 5, so that's unchanged. Utah then at 6 would slide in for Oregon spot. Oklahoma at 7 and Minnesota at 8? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, 
It'll be interesting to see if they finally give credit, though, to Oklahoma because Minnesota, who's a team that beat Penn State, they shouldn't be, they should not be penalized because Penn State lost another game. You know what I mean? Yeah, they'll probably find a way to do that. That's just which makes no like sense. Yeah. And, and the, the, honestly, the committee has has given these two teams. They've not given them either one of them the credit they probably should have deserved. Oklahoma looked beatable, very beatable yesterday. Yeah, easily could have lost that game. Yeah, lost. They, were, they won by four. Minnesota's in control of that game the entire time. Um, that'll be interesting to see if they, they jump the seven. But honestly, I, I think for the first time you're going to see which like. This ranking matter because because Ooh, it's that's seven. interesting. And, and the reason why is this because if you put them at seven, that is finally close enough to give them like they could jump because Bama, people are gonna say Utah's not gonna lose next week. They're playing. I think the I forgot Cal. Playing, but no, it's not Cal. I don't think it's like a but it's a bad team. Maybe it is Cal. Yeah. No, Colorado. I think it's Colorado. Oh, uh, okay. Same thing. Um, which yeah, pretty much. But they they're they're a very bad team. They're not gonna lose. You would think Bama has a chance to lose because they're they're even though they're favored though. If if just just say those two teams win as they're supposed to, then do you then jump Oklahoma or do you, you're not going to jump Utah or Bama with Oklahoma and Minnesota? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, no, I think this would all stay the same on change yeah. if, if if all things happen, you know, according to what the you know what the odds makers would say next right. week. I think so you'd have probably one more chance to finally jump them. A, the conference championship would be that would kind of right. allow that to come down to it. But um, yeah, I think that right now, I think the way that this is all setting up is just going to be a fascinating end. I, I'm really, really interested to see the way that everything shakes out, including with Georgia. I think the top three, we feel like LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson have separated themselves at this point. But what happens four through eight with those teams the rest of the way, is just going to be wild to watch unfold. Um, Let's talk some early Iron Bowl thoughts. I know we kind of touched on some Mac Jones stuff real quick, and we, we don't want to go into like a ton of crazy discussion about this, but I think there are some things that are worth bringing up with this game. And one is that I didn't realize this until the other day, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, God, this, this has to be some sort of a trend. And you know this rivalry super, super well. You live it, you breathe it, you die by it, all that. This might be, potentially, the first time since Saban's first year at Alabama, 2007, that the winner of the Iron Bowl is not oh, going to yeah. play in either the SEC championship or the national championship. That is amazing. Amazing yeah. to think about. That's tough. I, I, I can't, like, so, and we're, we're talking about if, if Bama obviously doesn't make the playoff, then that's, that's what, I would have to, what would have to happen. Yeah. Even if Bama actually does make the playoff and doesn't make the national championship, I'm not saying that would happen. Technically, that trend would be what actually work. It would come to an end this year. Yeah. That's wild to think about. Yeah, it's uh, people always say this, and I, you know, it's it's Auburn week, so I'm, I want everyone to know that if you're an Auburn fan, I love Auburn fans, and they have, I've, I've always said you have the better fan base, you have the nicer fan base, the prettier fan base. Doesn't mean I like you this week. And he <laughs> said I love him though. He said I love you. It like doesn't mean I like you. I love I love people in my family. I don't like them. Um, I, I just I think that I think that you. People always want to give credit to like the whole state of it's like oh this is such good football from the whole state. I don't it I don't like usually doing that because I don't <laughs> I don't like giving them credit. But no, you don't. Um, it's it's uh, I mean I I give them credit when credits due, but I just I don't think that I don't know. It's, it's eleven years to have that happen. It's, it's just absolutely insane. It's wild. I mean, it's wow. it's this game. I think is uh, it's Steve Sarkeesian's biggest challenge yet. Yep. Because. He has already watched 
I'm sure if you're preparing for this game, the Auburn LSU game that we were at is is something that you're thinking about. And you saw the way that LSU was really contained, I think, by that yeah. Auburn defense. And if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you know what you have at quarterback in Mac Jones. You know that you can't necessarily operate the same exact game plan that you could with Tua. How do you draw up ways to get your receivers in space? That is the most important thing to be able to do in this game. I think on the flip side of that as well, I think Gus needs to turn Bo Nix into John Rice Plumley. Yep. Just yep. let him run. Let him run. Don't necessarily, I, if he's throwing the ball 50 times in this game with Alabama's injuries in the front seven, that is a massive mistake. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. I will say that I'm excited because the, you know, LSU beat Bama through the air. You know, well, they beat Bama up and down the field and running and throwing, but, um, Man, if Bo Nix is not going to beat you with his arm. He's not. <laughs> he's he's not. not. We can ex- we can accept that <laughs> yeah. at this point of the year. Like it's yeah. not happening. It's it's just That's not, not going to happen. So I, I would say um, that'll be interesting to see because because you know Christian Barmore went down. Who was another another defensive like you had you had DJ Dale out. You had uh, what's his name? They, I, I'm not saying this to be cute or funny. This is a real thing that happened. Raquan Davis had, out. Yeah, Raquan Davis is out. It was out too. But they rolled out the starting lineup. And and our buddy Clint, uh, Clint Lamb. Um, what's that? Clint Lamb. Yeah, Clint Lamb. He put he puts him out and he said, uh, "Sorry, this Falcons game is also going in the background. My ADD is kicking in." But they, the Clint Lamb came up and said something about how um, this is the three starting uh, defensive linemen in this game, and it, I didn't know who they were. I knew Christian Barmore. That was it. And I was like, "What in the hell?" Like they're very thin, so they just yeah, run the ball right at him. Would seem to make a lot of sense. The butterfly effect of Tua's injury, it's it's really it's it's super super interesting if you kind of think about all the all the different things that that are at play uh, potentially with the, the results of this game. It could shape the 2020 Alabama quarterback battle, which we think Tua is going to the NFL. What what Mac Jones would be able to do to kind of say, hey, this is why I deserve to start against you know somebody like Talia Tungabailoa, obviously, or, or Paul Tyson, Bear Bryant's great-grandson. Um, also, you know, you got a, a stud incoming true freshman, a five-star incoming true freshman, like all these different things that you can do if you're Mac yeah. Jones to say, hey, this is what I've already done for you. I'm, I'm ready for this, this moment. Um, will Gus's job come down to this game? Could that potentially impact the Arkansas coaching search? You know, will it give Alabama a sliver of hope for the play? Off if they're able to go into Jordan Hare and dominate, like all these, and how that impacts the rest of college football, and, and you know what teams could potentially get blocked. I I am just I, I'm really interested to see. You know, maybe we won't know this for another year, probably a year from now. Looking back on how many different possible things that Tua's injury had an impact on. I want to. All I want to see is this. I want to see a 31 to nothing win, and I want to see one touchdown scored. And I want to see eight field goals. Oh, there it is. Just that's, prove, that's just prove yourselves, guys. Yeah. Let's get some week 14 lines. Uh, we'll save the, the Iron Bowl one for the end. We, are, we do already know that there was at, at two, and, two and a half last week. But I'll guess what I think the final line is going to be. Um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl Thursday night. Just as you're eating that 12th Hawaiian roll like I am. Just, just pounding those Thanksgiving Day leftovers. You're going to turn this game on and... I think, my guess, and this is coming down from what, I mean, I think this was an 18-point line early in the year Mississippi State was favored dude, by. Dude, you called this. This this should be the top of your resume, dude. You nailed this. Nailed number it. Number one thing. 
friends with Joe Moorhead and also might have picked the spread for the Egg Bowl. Um, it was, but like in the middle, the beginning of the season, you were like, I tell you what, that's way too high. And I was like, I don't know why you're giving such a deep voice. Like, oh, I'll tell you what, like you're Sam, Sam Elliott. But, um, so yeah, but it, like it's, it's down to four and a half. I, you, I, you think my right? guess is four and a half. My guess yeah. is four and a half. I would think, I, listen, you know what? For the first time all season, I'm not going to say a word. I want you to do Let's do it. Because I'll I'm not good it. at this anyway, and I've, I've talked over you enough. Uh, Mizzou in Arkansas, um, which is just turning out to a total dumpster fire of a situation for Mizzou. And it, it's going to be the dumpster fire bowl. I think we can officially call it that. Mizzou, I still think on the road, is going to be a 14.5 point favorite. And Mizzou, this would be a fascinating stat to go back and look up. If Mizzou were to lose this game, if any team in in Power 5 history has lost four games in a year in which they have been a double-digit favorite. Ooh, that's that's interesting. That's at play for Mizzou potentially in this game. I think they will be a two-touchdown favorite, though. Clemson and South Carolina, they're already going back and forth. Dabo said, they hate us. It's no secret. We hate them, blah, blah, blah. Clemson in this game, 27.5-point favorite. I don't care where it's being played. Clemson's going to be a four-touchdown favorite in this game. You're not. You're still not saying oh, yeah, anything. I love it. I love all it. you, bro. All right. All you. Georgia, Georgia Tech, right down the road. Bobby Dodd Stadium. You're gonna have a chance to to hear the sounds if oh, you really want to. We didn't even talk about to. that though. About going to the game on Thursday. Are you going to the game? No, I'm not going to this one. But it was. I was just, oh yeah, was, you were there at, uh, on Thursday night. I went to Georgia the Tech. NC State game, and it was tickets were the lowest ticket was six dollars. <laughs> we we got a ticket nine rows up. <laughs> we got a ticket nine rows up on the 35 yard line, and it was. And you 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 still could have walked down several rows and several seats over and sat anywhere. Like, a high like it was game. it was it was, dude, it was ridiculous. Um, God, I love that stadium though. So it was it was it was nine dollars, and and then the tickets, the cheapest ticket for Georgia was seventy five. And yeah, apparently this, this, they were going to mark them up because they didn't want Georgia to take over the stadium, but they will. Anyway, go on. Yeah, 75 bucks is going to stop a Georgia fan from going to a game. Right. Good right. idea. Good idea. I think Georgia's going to be a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Just Georgia Tech has been a dumpster fire this year as well. I think that even though Georgia's had the offensive struggles, I think they'll still be a significant favorite on the road in that one. Lawville against Kentucky. A Lawville team, which actually has seven is wins. That? That's you can't say Louisville. I'm, I mean, I'm a Yankee, but I don't want everybody to know I'm that big of a Yankee. I guess oh. they probably know by me saying Louisville. Yeah. Um, I think Louisville is going to be a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Kentucky has bowl eligibility clinched. Both teams have bowl eligibility clinched, but I still think that Kentucky is a slight home dog, and I'm jumping all over that. Give me the fight in Mark Stoops. Put your money in this bank. Vandy, Tennessee. Tennessee, 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I know they got bowl eligibility clinched, but a team that's playing extremely well, 13.5 might not even be enough. I know that Vandy's got the streak. That's probably the only thing that's holding this game back from being like a 20, 21-point spread at this point is that Derek Mason has just had Tennessee's number, and that still needs to end before we can officially get on board with that. What a weird sentence that is. You know, the revenge tour thing, I'll, I'll just jump in here for a quick second. The revenge tour thing I said for Bama, how about Jeremy Pruitt and his little revenge Woo. tour to close out the year, man? Good for him. Flex and hard. Jim Cheney flex games every single week. Love it. and m and LSU. Speaking of revenge games, Coach O wants this one, and he wants it bad. LSU is going to be a three-score favorite slightly, I think. I think they're going to be a 17-point home favorite in this one. Hell um, hath no scorn. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> what hell hath no fe- fe- fury? Fury. Like a, a woman scorn, like a Coach O scorn. 
like a Cocho scorns <laughs> like a Cocho scorn sticky with a seven overtime Gatorade bath to just sit there and deal with. Ugh. I bet he still has Gatorade in his crevices. Florida State and Florida. <laughs> I think Florida's going to be a 15-point home favorite. Go figure that Florida State very quietly clinched bowl eligibility, which these days in Tallahassee is an accomplishment. Um, Florida, though, still getting to come off the bye week, getting to prepare for a Florida State team that just looks like it's ripe for the picking. I think that Florida will still be a two-touchdown home favorite. Kind of not necessarily throw out the record books type rivalry, rivalry in my opinion. Last year was a good reminder of that. Florida went into Tallahassee and blew the doors off them. Yeah. But I still think that 15 maybe, maybe not might not be enough, but... Florida State kind of playing with nothing to lose at this point, not playing for bowl eligibility necessarily, can kind of go in there and just pin their ears back, and you never Dude, know. I tell you what, man, and, and we don't we don't give them a lot of credit ever on this podcast, and we shouldn't, but tip of the cap and all jokes aside, you fire your coach and then have a road game against Boston College, who's not a great team but a good team, yeah. and go up there and win a game to be, to make sure you're bowl eligible, That just, yeah. I still, the, very still had to tackle had to tackle AJ Dillon for four quarters, which sounds like a horrible thing to sign up for. I would not want yeah. to do that. It's a mammoth human being. Alabama, Auburn, the Iron Bowl. We already know that this was a two and a half point line in favor of Alabama, but I think that it will end around three and a half. Is that fair? Yeah. Because seeing more of Mac Jones. Maybe it gives, gives odds makers a little bit more confidence to think that Bama could win a 27-24 type game, something like that. I just think this Auburn defense is going to keep this line from getting to the point where it'd be like Bama's a touchdown favorite. I don't think it's going to get that high. But Auburn's defense is just its very, very good. I mean, we saw LSU really struggle to score points against it, and this is a as good of a unit. What did, Gus had a quote about it. He said it was like the best defense he thinks Auburn's had in 30 years or something like and that. if anybody knows defense, it's, it's Gus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anybody they're, they're can look at... They're a fantastic at, team. It's anybody can look at Marvin Hitson. Yeah, dude. Well, all like remember before the season started, Nick Coe was was a projected first round pick in some people's draft. Which you know, in hindsight, that wasn't the best. It's not having a good year. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like good lord, this this thing and Big Cat, Big Cat, go Big Cat, Marlon, <laughs> and all over here. Damn, y'all boys, good. Um, that was like Coach just, O mixed with I don't know, like just typical. Who was your co- who was your uh, like stereotypical Southern coach? Uh, coach Coach Carroll. No, Daryl Carroll. Daryl Carroll. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, you got Daryl Carey. <laughs> I'm doing too much of that Matt Luke thing. Um, it's just, it's just nice that the Iron Bowl matters again. That's yeah, all I'll say. Even That's though I just say. said that it was going to be potentially the first time since 2007 that the no, but I mean in 2017 and they lose that game and go to the national championship and win. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. It's yeah. just, it's nice that it matters again. <laughs> Real quick, it might mean too much. Jared Garantano got death threats after the Bama game, apparently, and he talked about it kind of candidly. And unlike Jim McElwain, there's actually, you know, apparently some some legitimate some legitimacy to that, and just somebody who you know you get a reminder of when he talks about that of just what this kid has been through and kind of dealing with all the the adversity that he's had throughout his career. I, I hate that how much we use that word in sports because I think yeah. adversity is is better used for real life situations and yeah. dealing with you know people that are going through more severe things. But Jared Garantano, just a, a reminder of kind of what all he's had to overcome to, to get to this point where he can actually feel like he's you know leading a, a program that he's proud of and, and putting up significant numbers and Tennessee playing meaningful football down the stretch here. Um, 
we want to thank everybody for, especially everybody in our Facebook group, because we know that that's where a lot of these came from, because we were kind of asking for them. The five-star reviews that we got, I mean, we're awesome. We're not going to go through all of them. We're yeah. not going to go through all of them, but just know that coming from us, we, we appreciated them so, so much. It means the world to us that, that everybody has taken time to do this. Uh, some of the more most creative of them, ones. Yeah, most most of, them. of them. I'll say most. that right now. And just so you know, I'll just be very, I'll be candid about this. And Connor, you don't, you can, I'll let you read all these. I, I, for the most part, don't get offended by most of the jokes that you guys say. But I will say this. There are other people that read these that don't like some of the stuff that you guys think is funny. And, and, and I'll just say, why don't we refrain from saying anything about queso moving forward? Let's just, let's, and I know that sounds sensitive and I, I, I just, this is not me saying that I'm upset about it, but someone that I care and love about very much is upset about it. And I, and I'm not, I'm just going to put my foot down here and, and say, why don't we just refrain from doing that from now on? But I will say as a whole, these were awesome. You guys are the freaking best. I sent out 53 stickers. Dang. On, on all handwritten, all that stuff. And, and, and I know, I, I also want to say, I, I know Chris just got stern with everybody there. But at the same time, I know it comes from a good place. I know you guys have been just absolutely incredibly supportive and awesome this whole season. We hate that the season's coming to an end. But but I, I will thank you like from the bottom of our heart. We really do appreciate it. And we can't wait to see you guys in Atlanta. Yes, looking forward to it. Like we said earlier, book your tickets today. You are going to have a great time hanging out with us on a Friday night before the SEC Championship at a great place to be. It's, it's College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, you would Dude, you so would go fun. there if we weren't going to be there. Just make sure that you you book those tickets today. Get your Friday night plans taken care of in a couple weeks. You know, date night is Friday night. You know, you say say get this a sitter. Another. Yeah, get a sitter. Get, take care of the kids. Take care of the dogs. Whatever you got to do, be with us that Friday night, uh, the night before the SEC championship. So, Marler, you're going to keep giving the people some great gambling advice. Facebook Live Saturday mornings. Also, Tuesday night after the playoff show. Is that still the plan for this week as well? What's that? I wasn't listening to a word you said. Oh, that's great. That's good to know. <laughs> Thank you. I We're was reading the assume- five-star review. Oh, boy. Um, Yes, I'll say yes. Just say yes. Hopefully, I'm right. That's good. All right, Marler just signed his life away. Congratulations! Everyone's welcome to to come hang out the house. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, Yes, make sure that you're following us on all forms of social media at the SDS Pod at Vern Funquist at CJ O'Gara. Make sure that you are watching everything on Facebook Live. As I said, follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Oh, is that what you're saying? Yes. Thank you for listening. And then I invited everyone over to the house. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is right. Everyone can sleep over. What? Um, No, it's cool. Tuesday night, and and then also, um, you know, maybe we'll do a happy Thanksgiving one too. We'll see. It's been a lot of fun lately. Yeah. I did, you know what? People... I did do one last night after the Oregon loss, and I wasn't—I hadn't been drinking at all. I just was excited, and they were like, "Oh, Marler's drunk again." I was like, "No, it's just—it's just how I talk." Just do one after the Egg Bowl and see what kind of response you get. That'll be fantastic. We—you know what I want to do—is a trash talk, like giveaway this weekend. We'll—we'll we'll do it for sure. But like the—I I did this article a couple years ago, and it was like the—the. The, uh, cheat sheet or like beginner's guide or like the trash talk of like rivalry week and it was all pretty horrific stuff but I would love to hear some of the best trash talk you guys are gonna, you're gonna need it at the tailgate this week it's gonna be great man you absolutely will Coach O man Luke what do we need to remember I'll take this one coach okay it might mean too much talk to you guys this week <laughs>